We've all been there, right? Think about one of those times when life's challenges just started to pile up for you. Hardship, heartache, difficulty after difficulty is piling up. You feel burdened. So much so you actually feel a bit overburdened, worn out, worn thin. Maybe you're not sleeping well, not eating well. Showers are a little less frequent than they should be because you're just at your end. So you finally decide to confide in a loved one, maybe a friend or a family member, and you're pouring your heart out to this person, and you know this person has your back. They care deeply for you, and you can almost see in their eyes like, oh man, they are going through a lot as you share. And you stop, and they say to you, well, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. How do you feel in that moment when you hear that? Flip side, we've all been there. We've also all been here on the other side where someone is pouring their heart out to us. You're like, oh man, they're struggling. Oh man, they have that going on at their job or they have that going on at home. Oh, I, and you, you really feel for them and you have an empathetic connection. You want to encourage them. You want to strengthen them and bolster them and come alongside them, but you also have no idea what to say. So you say the first thing that comes to your mind, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. Well-meaning Christians, very well-meaning Christians, throughout the ages have used this expression in an attempt to encourage and support someone who's just at the end of their rope. Maybe you've said it before. I know I've said it before. And then maybe someone has said it to you. But is it true? Why do we say this? When I was younger in the faith, you know, I heard this. I was super encouraged. I was like, whoa, God won't give us more than we can handle? That is awesome. So I was like, I'm going to find this in the Bible. I'm going to see where it is. So I said, I'm going to sit down, start from the beginning, read to the end until I find it. I'm not going to stop until I do. So I sat down and I read my Bible three times through without a break. (laughs) There's a lot of hyperbole there. It's okay. I couldn't find it. This thing called Google came along, and then you Google. They're like, wait, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. We've twisted something into the Bible that isn't actually there. We're in our second week of our series, Twisted Scripture. Last week, we talked about this idea that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But we kind of, as we parsed it out, figured out that we can't actually do everything But we can give God our everything, for he is strong enough to carry us through. Next week, we're talking about being prospered and healed. Does that mean we're going to acquire and achieve all this wealth and fame? And that if we simply pray for healing, then automatically, boom, it comes? We're going to figure that out next week. Also, that's Mother's Day. Final reminder for me. Okay, you have no excuse. All right? Mother's Day next week. Two weeks from now, we're putting a bow on this series, 
and we're going to talk about another phrase that may or may not be in the Bible, this idea that when a door closes, God opens a window. What does that mean? That doesn't sound like good news if you're on the 12th floor. (laughs) Stay tuned, yeah. Today's message is called, He Won't? Says who? Because we're unpacking God won't give you more than you can handle. Found from the book of WMC123A. Well, meaning Christians. It's not that funny, but whatever. I had to put something there. Here's the confusion. This isn't in the Bible, but what we find is there's a passage that is similar to it that we've kind of twisted Uh, this phrase out of. So let's go to the source material, God's true word, and see what it actually says to untangle the truth of what this means. That's found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 verse 13. Here the word of the Lord says this. It's Paul writing, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You may notice some similarities there. And you also may notice some differences. So let's unpack it together. This passage, it is a warning to the reality of temptation and the sin that meets us every single day. It's not so much about suffering or our capacity to navigate life in all of its complexities. You see, Paul wrote this uh, letter to the church in Corinth. Corinth was a major cosmopolitan town. It had a very diverse uh, group of people. There were a lot of different people from different backgrounds that made up this town of Corinth. And he's writing to the first Christian church in Corinth, you know, some decades after uh, Jesus uh, died, was buried, rose again. And uh, what is interesting about Corinth is that the first Christian church was made up mostly of pagans who converted to Christianity. You see, some others, they were Jewish and they converted to Christianity. There is a very shared history and understanding of the one true God and then coming to understand Christ's redemptive work and who he is. Uh, But this was not the case in Corinth. The majority were pagans converted into Christianity. And so their background, especially in the, the city of Corinth, were they worshipped all different gods and goddesses. So idol worship was incredibly common. And then other weird worship practices or different worshiping practices where drunkenness was encouraged as an act of worship. Or they had temple prostitutes as part of their religious faith. So, so the starting point is significantly different. But then their lives are captivated and captured by the life-changing story of Jesus Christ. And they, 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 they long to follow him. And they, they, they love what they're learning and they're hearing, but they have a lot of growth to do. And they understand this call to give up their former ways. And yet they're still in Corinth, surrounded by all their old ways everywhere they turn. And I wonder if that might resonate with you. 
when you give your life to Jesus and you are so desperate and excited and eager to follow him and give him your life. And yet, in your daily life, you're still surrounded by the things that tempt you. The things that, that, that your sinful desire longs to live into, but you know only leads to death and destruction. And so there's this wrestling we all have in life. It is between living according to our sinful desires or our redeemed and our holy calling. And standing in between those things, temptation. We know no one escapes temptation. Jesus Christ himself was tempted heavily several times. None of us are exempt from temptation. So Paul wrote this passage about temptation to spur on the early church in Corinth to take heart and believe that temptation, first of all, does not come from God. That is confirmed by James 1, uh, verse 14 and 15 as well. Temptation, it does not come from God, and God will provide a path to freedom from that temptation. For God will protect us from being tempted beyond our capacity. We see that God is faithful, that he will meet us in that space. He will guide us away from the tempting and back towards him if we have the faith, the willpower, the safeguards in place to follow him instead of to give in to our sinful temptation in nature. See, we always have a choice when it comes to temptation. We engage in sin or we run from it. That is a human struggle, isn't it? Day in, day out. But as we dissect this passage, you may come to see the twist. This passage has a lot to say about temptation, not so much to say about having too much to handle. See, with temptation, there's a choice. But when it comes to suffering, hardships, heartache, struggles, we often do not have a choice. We have twisted this verse into a mantra that's spoken every day that tells us God doesn't give us more than we can handle. So what do we do with this well-meaning but truth-twisting quote? I think the first thing that's important for us to acknowledge in the outset is that God doesn't give us trouble, but he does allow us to go through trouble. That's an important distinction. The trouble doesn't come from God. We know in this world we will have trouble, Jesus Christ told us himself, but it's not from God. Yes, he may ask us to do challenging things, things that cause us to grow, but the trouble we face, the heartache we face, is not from him. We also, uh, you know, we, we remember that God, what does he give us? He gives us life. He gives us love. He gives us blessing, mercy, hope. He will give us appropriate judgment based on how we live when the time comes, but also give us peace. But since that garden, life will dish out horrendous things. Sickness, tragedy, violence, death, all of these a result of sin, which corrupts everything. God doesn't give us those troubles. 
That's not his intention in creation. He intended and did create things perfect, and we made the choice to step away from that. And the troubles then came. He doesn't give us those troubles, but he allows us to go through them. Consider some biblical examples. We remember that Moses, when he was faced with his calling, was completely overwhelmed. Uh, I'm not good with my words. Have someone else. Well, okay, Aaron will speak. Well, still, you really want me to do it? He was overwhelmed. Gideon felt completely inadequate. Esther, she was very, very afraid. And then have you considered my servant Job? And Ken Larson rejoices that Job was mentioned in a service. Job, an entire book about having too much to handle. A man who suffered of God not giving him those troubles. But what do we read in the book of Job? Of God allowing Job to go through those troubles. Look at these words from David, who also took on perhaps more than he thought he could bear. He wrote this, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am feeble, utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. Not from God, from his guilt. And then we consider Jesus Christ. With these words from Mark 14, he took Peter, James, and John with him. This is the night of his betrayal before going to the cross. He became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. I don't know about you, but to me, hearing all those things makes me feel like they had more than they felt they could handle. And I wonder, I wonder what was one of your more-than-you-can-handle moments of life. I wonder if you flip back through your Rolodex. People know what Rolodex is, right? Y'all do, yeah. Spinny thing. Flip back through the Rolodex of your life. When were your more than you could handle moments? Some of us will have a Rolodex full of them. Some of us are likely in one right now. You know, one of my more recent experiences of feeling like I had way more than I could handle. Um, two weeks after I was installed as pastor here, a small thing called COVID started, or at least hit our shores, right? And uh, here I am, a new pastor, called to lead a flock through an unprecedented pandemic. You know, they teach you some things in seminary. <laughs> There's a lot of things they don't teach you, and that one somehow missed the uh, curriculum. <laughs> Here I am, pretty new into the role, and we're having these difficult crisis-level meetings and decisions we had to make day in, day out. By God's grace, we made it through. We even flourished. We thrived. But personally going through it day in, day out, what did I feel? This is way more than I can handle. This is way beyond my scope of abilities. We'll finish that a little bit later. Because we see in the Bible and we see in our own lives, a lot of times 
we'll go through things that really absolutely feel like way more than we can handle. So this is the question. It's a very complex and complicated and in-depth question. Why? Why would an all-loving and a good and gracious God allow us to go through these things that feel like more than we can handle? That's what we're spending the rest of our time on here this morning. We start with this truth. When we actually come to terms and accept the fact that life will give us more than we have the strength to handle, we actually find buried within that a promise. And it is a good promise. And that promise is that God is faithful to meet us in the mess and in the pain. When things went awry in the garden— What did God do but put a plan in place to make things right? And what has he been doing since he has been drawing close to us? And he wants to draw close to you when you are overburdened and you feel like you can't take it. God is faithful to meet us in the mess and the pain. He doesn't sit in some cloudy sky, golden throne, looking at us with his popcorn, saying, let's see how this plays out, laughing at us so we face our trouble. That's not the God I know. That's not the God we read of in his true word. He meets us in our burdens because we remember God is good and he is actively at work redeeming all things for the good of those who love and trust him. Why, why might God allow us to have more than we can handle? The first reason is perhaps so that we may depend on him, depend on his presence in our lives. When things are going really good, people tend to forget about God. You know, you might say something like, when everything is going— everything's coming up roses. Is that good? Is that a good expression? If it's coming up roses, is that positive? You get thorns too. Every rose has its thorns. Is that poison? Never thought I'd quote poison in a sermon. Stay on script. Here we go. We may say when things are going really well, hey, I know you're there, God. I am thankful things are going well, God. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You keep doing what you're doing and We're just going to keep on cruising into the sunset. Things are good. It's when you feel that you don't need him, it can be easier to forget about him. But then when things take a nosedive, you have nowhere else to turn. You start remembering God because there is nowhere else to run. You all know the story of Jonah called by God to do God's will to go to Nineveh and preach against them what you think Jonah would like because he hated the Ninevites, except he also knew God was loving and compassionate and merciful and would maybe relent from his judgment on Nineveh. So what does Jonah do? He runs the opposite way. He tries to hide from God. He tries to flee from God and ignore God. And he keeps having these experiences until finally the sailors toss him over into the water. God sends a big fish and swallows him. He is in the pit of the stomach of the fish. For three days, a long time to think until he finally works through his stubbornness and his anguish 
and he cries out to God with these words. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. God met him in his pain. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Lord, and my prayer, it rose to you, to your holy temple. See, one of the ways God redeems the hard seasons of our lives is by reminding us of his presence and meeting us in that space. But there's also another danger. When we are going through these hard seasons in our lives, sometimes when we're caught up in the storms of life, we start to wonder about God. God, why is this happening? Why would you allow this to happen? Are you there? Are you with me? Are you hearing the cries of my heart? Because I'm praying, but you're not answering me the way I want you to. I feel overburdened. I am tired. I am worn out. There is no relief in sight. And we wonder where God is in the midst of the storm. And maybe you can resonate with that. This is our promise and our encouragement to never let the presence of the storm make you doubt the presence of God. He is in your life in the presence of the storm. Though the winds blow and the waves crash, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you and he cares for you. Do you remember that story of Jesus calming the storm? He is resting. He is sleeping in the boat. And the storm is going on. And the disciples start to freak out. And they wake him up. Lord, Lord, save us. And that the, just his word. The storm calms. But what does it also do? It reminds the disciples, you had no need to fear for I was here all along. I will be with you through the storm. We're reminded in Psalm 145 that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He is with you in the midst of your troubles. You live life long enough, any number of years, you recognize that life is full of valley seasons and mountaintop experiences. I've heard it said before that you're either going through a really hard season right now or you have one coming up. Oh, yeah, right? But if you live life long enough, you probably know there's a little bit of truth to that. Wherever you are, may we depend on his presence and trust. He is close and he cares. Why else might God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Perhaps also to experience his power. See, we were created with a need, a hunger, for God, to be desperate for him. God never expected us to be able to handle everything on our own. Maybe you need to hear that again. God never expected us to be able to handle everything on our own. That's not who we are. We weren't even made for that. And when we start to see that, it is so liberating. It is freeing to recognize, I can't do it on my own. And it invites us to experience his power. Jesus Christ once said to take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. You will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God will not burden you with more than you can handle. And when the troubles of this world burden you more than you can handle, you may find rest and comfort in the powerful presence of God. Rely on his presence. Experience his power by casting your cares on the one who cares deeply for you. Because this world will give us trouble. It will give us more than we can handle. But with God, he will guide you through it and support you through it. We don't have this all figured out, and we never will. None of us are strong enough on our own to power through. We learned that last week. But God is. And we consider Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 12 when he wrote this. He said to me, he's talking of Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. Whatever hardship, whatever heartache, whatever struggle, God says, my grace covers. It is sufficient for you, for my, say it with me, power, say again, for my is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christ's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And Paul is pretty radical. So I will boast all the more in my weaknesses. How many of us like to hide our weaknesses, right? That's our human nature. And he is saying, "Uh uh-uh, because where we are weak, we allow God's strength to then reside because we're not strong enough on our own, but he absolutely is. When we feel the weight of all we are going through, we depend on his presence and cast our cares on him and then might experience his power. And he will see us through whatever it is you are navigating. His grace, oh, it is sufficient. It is more than enough. His light, it will shine first in you and then through you. And it will carry you when you do not have the strength on your own. For we are yoked to a God who cares and who will guide us and help carry our burden with us. So we experience his power. Finally, why else might God allow us to experience more than we can handle? Perhaps is to activate the body of Christ. We are meant for community as God's people, to meet and help one another in our struggles, to be open and honest and authentic in all of life's Happenings. That's what it means to be a family, to be like Paul, being willing to be open and sharing our weaknesses and when we need help. You know the phrase that many hands make light work. The same is true in carrying our burdens. Many hands makes our burden feel lighter. The church exists to be the light and love of Jesus Christ for one another to be each other's strength when we're not strong enough on our own, to remind us of God's presence in our lives when we're having a hard time feeling it, to speak God's truth into our lives when we need to hear it, to meet us and sit us in our pain and our grief and with their presence alone, knowing 
that Christ sits with us as well, for I feel it tangibly, my brother or sister meeting me in this space. That is the church, because, you know, we help one another, but we have to be willing to open up and share what we're going through. You know, God talks about letting our our light shine and don't put your light under like a basket to be seen and be shared. A lot of times when our light's flickering, we like to hide it because we don't want people to see and know. But that's not what we're called to do. In fact, those are the times to draw attention and say, I am desperately in need of God's grace and God's people for their help to carry me through. As it says in Galatians, carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In this way, you will be the hands and feet and the presence of Christ. You will represent Christ and his ministry and what he did. You want Christ's presence in your life? You open yourselves up to him and his body. Some of the hardest moments of my life, I'm talking some of the hardest moments of my life, is where I grew in faith the most. It's when I experienced God's grace the most. It's when I saw him and his kingdom most clearly. So I leaned into what matters, and I opened myself up to God's community. I was blessed beyond measure. Talked about this pandemic we're still navigating and being a new pastor navigating this flock through that. I think now sometimes about what we did in those early days. And you may remember we had uh, daily devotional videos <laughs> and all these videos and uh, we did songs and, and all this stuff. And I mean, there were weeks I struggled getting one sermon done and I was putting in like, you know, seven devos a week or whatever. I, I had no strength on my own to do that. I also had no clue what I was doing. You may not have known that. I had no clue what I was doing. But through God's grace, through my no other choice but to rely on him and call on his strength daily, hourly, to call and depend on the body of Christ to show up and help out through my awesome staff and leaders that surrounded us and made things happen only through God's grace. We didn't make it through those early days. I dare say we thrived. But if I hid those things, or try to suppress God from it, who knows what would have happened. On my own, I was not strong enough. Any of us on our own, all of us together, not relying on God, would not have been strong enough. So why might God allow us to go through more than we can handle? Maybe because he will bless and redeem the hardships of your life as you depend on his presence as you experience his power, as we activate the body of Christ. Because when we do that, he fills us with his strength to carry through. And not only that, he gives us a story to tell that will bless others and point to Christ. And we're reminded of our hope that is always alive. So this is our challenge. If life is indeed a pathway of valleys and mountaintop experiences, if you're in it right now, if you're in the valley and you've been hiding that, you've been hiding your struggles and your sorrows, it is time with the love of God to get over it 
and share with those people God has trusted close to you, that you trust from this faith community, because we are so much better together when we share our burdens. I implore you to reach out to someone in this community and say, I I need a little help. I promise you, you will be met with grace. They may say, God won't give you more than you can handle. (laughs) That's okay. They mean well. We all do. Then point them to this message if they didn't hear it. Reach out. Be authentic. Be open. Be honest. Because we are strong. God is made strong in our weakness when we share together. And if you're not in the valley right now, you're feeling in a good place. You're, you're doing pretty good, all things to considered. Who in your life might be struggling right now that you can reach out to to bless in some way? I trust that between the two of those, it connects with all of us. Either you're in it or you know someone close to you who's struggling and may need just a little bit extra love and care right now. That's our challenge for this week too, is to be the body of Christ in this tangible way, to together depend on his presence, to experience his power, and to be the body of Christ, helping each other out along the way, trusting and believing that God is actively right now at work. He is close. He reigns forever. Whether we're in the valley or the mountaintop, may we run to him, for his power is made perfect in our weakness. So let's boast about how amazing our God is and how desperate we are in need of him. Amen. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks today that you meet us in our struggles and our trials. We bask in the truth of your promise that though this life will give us trouble, you have overcome the world, that you have the final say, and that you are actively at work even now making things right. God, we pray that as we reflect on what you had for us today, that one phrase or that one thought that is sticking in our mind from either the songs or the prayers or the message that that you, through the power of your Spirit, embolden us to act as you will. Guide us forward, Lord, whether we're in the valley or the mountaintop, to more tangibly be the body of Christ. We give you thanks that you are present with us right here, right now. We give you thanks that your power covers all and that your strength is made perfect in our weakness and that your grace is sufficient for us. And we long to be an active body of Christ, continuing to carry each other's burdens together. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You are a gracious and loving Father. So we run to you this morning, God, with open and hurting, but joy-filled hearts. It's in Jesus' name we all pray, saying, Amen.